Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of Students for a Better Future Radio. I'm your host, Doreen Finkel, with host Ruben Torres, and we are live. Once again, hello, everybody, and welcome to tonight's edition of Students for Better Future Radio. And hi, Ruben. How are you? Hi. How are you, Doreen? Great to, have, uh, great to be back. Yes, it is. Uh, although yeah. um, we were on a little uh, mini vacation from our radio show, um, but Definitely. we here for the group, we never get a break from this. You know that. And it's one <laughs> thing after another. And, and folks, everybody knows I don't read from a script. So, so if I make a mistake right. or laugh or gesture, it, it's the ability to be human, right, Ruben? Correct, correct. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, uh, we don't, we do not have a tele, teleprompter telling us what to do, what to say. Right. So once in a while, I, I flub up, but I am supposed to say that the group is a 501c3 nonprofit um, educational foundation designed to educate students on the campus about limited government, the free enterprise, and the Constitution. Uh, see, I got that right in my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, and, and I did it right. I'm not Barack Obama, so um, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's and a lot, a, a lot more uh, beautiful. I <laughs> thank you. Uh, uh, um, but folks, Ruben and I were talking, and go ahead, Ruben. You want to ask the question? Ruben and I, I talk off here. To, okay, go ahead. Yeah, I I really I'm I'm with the uh, the work that you're doing for. I mean, it's uh, I have uh, more Americans involved in this this tragedy, which is called human trafficking, which is you know enslaving. The, the modern modern day slavery uh, uh, process that is occurring before our eyes, and not just in the U.S. all over the world. Uh, yes, and um, you know, after talking with Greg Para, he is the fellow who runs a men's center, and, and he was on our radio show once before. He's a counselor for men in this, and he's also an attorney. Uh, he, he said that um, if our group works day in and day out um, and, you know, for 10 years, we might make a difference. And um, right. what he meant by that is is that this has been long in waiting and our group pretty much is the antithesis or the opposite of communism, on the uh, particularly on the campus. And... This stuff, the morality and pushing all this, the the morality kind of feeds into the human trafficking. And we know that the bad right. stuff or the Internet porn is all over the place. And that was one of the communist goals to break down our culture. And so have they succeeded? Yes, because since the development of Internet and the porn that goes with it, we've seen an increase in human trafficking. And so, right. yes. And uh, and so now the question is, what do we do about it? And police officers and, and law enforcement have said that they're over, um, they're just overworked with these cases. And, you know, I, I mean, not for nothing, but, and Craig Paris said that the porn industry is uh, is uh, uh, I don't know if I get the number correct. 
$132 billion or something a year? Or, no, $32 yes. billion uh, a year uh, or whatever. Oh, I, I think... It can even surpasses that amount, um, and it's the amount, whatever the amount is, it's just, uh, it's it's outrageous. I mean, and 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 governments and and people and families need to to unite. It could happen to a family can be kidnapped and 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 put in the um, in the slave uh, human world. So that's. It, 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 it's the reality that we're living today, and I think uh, the work that you're doing uh, is great, and, and I definitely need to get myself more involved in, in the human trafficking aspect. Uh, um, I did meet up with uh, individuals that are working with individuals that were part of the human trafficking, and they're working to help them blend and, and come into and become more productive, become productive in society, and they uh, they have an organization which I am uh, fascinated. I am more about it. It's Texas, and they they basically um, uh, donations and they give the thing out of that horrible horrible to get you know get up and running. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, to to combat that is is one aspect of it, but we must focus on the demand part. And the right. demand that you're driving is the bad stuff on the internet that's right. feeding into this human trafficking, and it's affecting everybody: man, woman, children. Okay. It's it's affecting the entire society, and so you know now we have to know, find a way to educate our kids, and that's what our group is doing. Um, we're actually focusing on the education part, which is the most important, um, you know, and and then, uh, you know, and and you don't. There's another side to this though. If you um, Back in 1978, pornography was deemed uh, legal by the Supreme Court, okay? And um, so since then, there was numerous cases that happened. Um, and it is classified as free speech. And when you, you have to be careful about regulating the stuff on the Internet. Um, but, yes, again, you don't want it so widely available that it gets in the hands of children. So we have to come up with a plan to sort of come in between or, or sort of circumvent this so that we don't violate free speech. And I am talking to my constitutionalist friends who say, who are questioning whether this bad stuff was free speech. So we have to look into that aspect as well. Um, but Ruben, I think we have our guest on our line. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yes. Um, so uh, we're going to move on to our, our guest tonight. Um, is a writer. Uh, he's also a, co- a columnist and um, uh, he's a Chica- I'm sorry, Chicago-based freelance writer. And he's been writing opinion editorials and social criticism since the, since early 2001. And he's featured on many websites such as Andrew Breitbart's Big Government, Big Journalism, and um, other sites such as Right Wing News and Canada Free Press. Uh, let's welcome to the show uh, Warner Todd Houston. Warner, can you hear us? I sure can. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Uh, it's been a long time, Warner. How are you doing? It's great to hear. It's great to hear you again. Thank you, thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> I've been um, reading. Yes. I've, I've been. I've been. Yes. I've been. Oh, wow, especially uh, right wing news and uh, free press, and um, as uh, as I've always said from the day that I met you, I mean, you are a brilliant writer. 
Well, tell my wife that, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy it. Um, now, um, yeah, Doreen, I'm sorry. I just I had to say that because, you know, Warner, uh, Babe Huggett, we, we had a, 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 a somewhat of a radio show at one time, and uh, it was in, very enjoyable. Um, it was an honor for me uh, having uh, – Great, great people like Warner and Dave and, and the other gentlemen that we had the, the, the program with. So I, I had to say that just before we, we moved on. Doreen? Yes. Um, so uh, I want you to, to tell us about yourself, Warner, and um, you know how you got into this. Give us a little background. Well, as you said, I've been making trouble on the Internet since 2001. Uh, um, <laughs> what got me into it, really, the idea to get into it was uh, I, a friend of mine and I had been sending letters to the editor, and uh, you know how that works. You send them in, and you cross your fingers and hope they, they publish them, and if you send three or four or five, you may be lucky if one gets in there. And we started saying, you know, how can we get our ideas out better to the public uh, more often than, you know, than just some letter that comes in once every couple of months. And, of course, at that time, uh, the Internet was starting converging, and uh, uh, blogs were starting. And, uh, as a matter of fact, the first blog I wrote with my friend, who uh, is no longer writing, um, was I, I encoded the whole thing by hand. There was no blog platform. I wrote it in straight code and then put it back up on the Internet uh, that way. And from there, things just kept growing. I kept meeting people and uh, getting mentioned in the New York Times and, uh, you know, and, and, and on TV, CNN, Fox News. Uh, I, I became guests on, on the TV shows and on the radio shows. Uh, even Der Spiegel magazine in Germany mentioned me one time, which I, I found you know, nothing but humorous. Uh, and I, I stirred some controversies. Uh, I made... Marvel Comics uh, reversed a decision on a comic book they were going to publish or that they had published uh, because of a commentary I had written. Um, you know, so G.I. Joe, the movie, had to re respond to something that I had written. And it, it just grew uh, to the point where uh, I became uh, more well-known than I could have imagined. <laughs> well... I, I have to tell you that one of the one of the topics I don't know if you remember Warner, but uh, one of the topics that uh, quite a bit on 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 the program program was had to do with the um, the foreign policy um, dealing with foreign policy and 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 the military and how we were very very uh, for a strong military. Uh, and one of the things that I that I, uh, I I see today is that with our current president, uh, that our military is really and it's not that it, when Ronald Reagan was there, when it was feared, and I just wanted to basically touch on that. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Obama seems to be gutting our military. He's definitely using yeah. it up and not uh, not replacing, you know, uh, uh, new technology. He's cutting out new technology. He's, he's not uh, replacing used equipments and whatnot. And, and even when we do leave areas that we had uh, invested in previously, he leaves equipment there to, to be, you know, to rot. Uh, we're, we're, we're really cutting back on what we're doing to our soldiers here at home. Uh, just recently, Obama said that uh, he was going to cut their retirement pay. Uh, you know, it just keeps getting worse. And uh, we're, we're no longer able to fight in two fronts like uh, had been our plan since uh, World War II, actually. We're, we cannot fight two-front war anymore. Um, and, and Obama just has definitely gutted our military. It's, it's really a bad situation. Right. Wow. Doreen? Uh, yeah, I'm just looking at, um, uh, I guess, uh, oh, April 1st, you wrote something. Um, and um, it talks about um, 
It says here there's there is one expertly crafted sentence in the news coverage of Obama's witness negotiations. Um, okay, so I guess is this talking about? Um, uh, okay, I, I the nuclear. Uh, I'm just wanting to ask you about this article here. It says the emptiness of Obama's foreign policy is worse than Neville right. Chamberlain. Right. Um, so, I, I guess uh, uh, have you covered him also on social issues as well, or you mean Obama? Yes. 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 I'm, I was hoping you didn't mean Never Chamberlain because I wasn't around when Neville was. Uh, 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 okay. Neville was flying his trade there, so you know I, I was just kind of you know <laughs> hoping you didn't mean Neville. But yeah, you're right. No, that uh, that no. was that was a very interesting uh, uh, piece. Um, I had quoted a a paragraph that Reuters had put out that that showed that that Obama uh, had crafted a possible public statement on the progress they might have made in the talks with Iran that might come up later. <laughs> so in other words, the paragraph was basically saying that Obama really hadn't done anything yet. But it was being touted as, uh, you know, as progress, and and this is this is a typical of Obama. He sweeps into these countries and expects that uh, because he's Obama, people will bow and scrape him, and he gets nowhere, and then gives up everything, you know, everything of our own uh, uh, that would benefit our own country, and and uh, we end up with nothing in the, in the long run, and even worse, we end up with. Uh, uh, you know, uh, problems coming up from what he gives us. I have also criticized Obama on just about every front. Uh, it seems to me, and, and I know, I know it's a controversial opinion, and even in talk radio, it's sort of a split feeling. But I'm one of those that feels that that all of the things that Obama has done has been his direct plan to knock the United States down a few pegs. It seems to me that you can't possibly believe that his goal is to raise America up, to improve America, to make America better in as much as continue its power, uh, you know, and, and keep the middle class growing and keep the economy growing. All of his actions seem to me aimed at cutting us down, hurting our economy, hurting our energy industry, hurting our military, hurting our foreign policy, and making a, the United States a lesser place to live because he grew up being told that evil, you know, is the United States. So he wanted to fix that. He wanted to make uh, America a lesser place to live. That's what it seems like to me. Right, That's what right. It seems I mean, like. Go ahead, Ruben. Yeah, I, I, Warner, I, I think the um, the whole foreign policy uh, agenda that the that Obama and the Obama administration and the Democrats are having is basically. Uh, to weaken, to 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 make the United States of America a, a, a more of a third world country instead of a first world power. Uh, that's the intention, and that has been the intention from day one. When you start negotiating with Cuba, when you start negotiating with Iran, and not basically negotiating from a strong position, but from a weak position, uh, it's, right away it tells me and it tells, I think, a lot of Americans that he doesn't have the best intentions for our country at all. He's never... Right, okay. I think we just lost Ruben. Um, he, uh, but anyhow, I mean, what, what he's saying, you know, is, is that he his intention is pretty much to destroy this country since he got elected. And, and that's, well, that's what, what our listener like seems yeah. to Yeah. Um, and he hasn't done pretty much anything right or, or sensible. In other words, when he got elected, um, the first thing he wanted to push across was the health care instead of jobs. Okay. And, you know, and normally when you think about uh, America, you, you want to try to fix the, the issues at hand first before you do that. Um, go ahead, Ruben. Did we get you back? Oh, I, I, I didn't. For some reason, I, I, I yeah, didn't hear the response. Yeah, you went out. Your, yeah, your phone yeah. went out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so go ahead. 
um, do you want to uh, you want to uh, uh, ask something? Well, basically, what I was saying is that, uh, and, and to summarize it, Warner was that the intention from the very beginning, when Obama got elected and was elected, it ha- there has not been good intention. Uh, he's been he's been leading from behind. He hasn't really shown the leadership that Ronald Reagan uh, had, the the command. Uh, he he he's fighting from a weak. Uh, negotiating from a weak uh, 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 situation, from a weak point, uh, and and basically all these countries like Cuba, like Iran, are saying, you know what, this is our op- our opportunity to take advantage of this. We had it so good, right? Right. And and the thing is, he's and th- this was the point of my article uh, comparing him to Neville, Cha- Neville Chamberlain. He isn't really arguing from a weak position. The United States does not have a weak position in the world, but he is giving us a weak position. He is uh, abdicating all of our strengths and, you know, holding up and buffing up the uh, our people that are our enemies, like the Cubans are and the Russians are and the North Koreans are and just about, you know, all these other uh, people, the Venezuelans. I mean, you know, at this point, uh, I have to to say that he's doing this on purpose. He's not failing as a leader. He's succeeding in what he wants to do. He's totally succeeding in, in destroying the country, and that's his goal. Uh, my point in the piece was that uh, Obama is, or the United States, rather, is strong right now, unlike Neville Chamberlain's position uh, before World War II. Chamberlain was arguing from a position of weakness. He did not have the power to force uh, Nazi Germany and uh, Hitler to do what Neville Chamberlain and the British people wanted done. He didn't have that power. On the other hand, today, Obama assuredly could have that power if he would use it properly. But he's abdicated it. He's thrown it all away. He's ignored all that power and given in to our enemies. And again, it's, it's, it's been so <laughs> so consistent throughout his entire two terms so far that it has to be a successful policy of advocating America's position in the world. So, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I agree, with, agree with that, uh, but I think that at, at, at the position that these countries are looking at Obama, and at Obama they're not looking at the country. Obama is the of this country and he is showing weakness, not necessarily our country, but him, and that reflects in the, in the advantages. That's how. I'm I um, yeah, Ruben, I are you cut? I think you're cutting in and out. Right, he is. Um, uh, we, 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 uh, I'm here. To, I'm here. To, you're kind of cutting in and out, Ruben. Um, but what what he's saying is that since he got elected, his his policies pretty much have doomed the country. And um, I want to elaborate on that because our group, StudentsForABetterFuture.com, um, is pretty much the antithesis of, of communism, and Obama's. Policies seem to gear towards the collective and the social, the especially the social policies. And um, uh, so, I want to bring that to you, Warner. Uh, are we right on the nail with that? I think so. Yeah. Um, and again, it still is in keeping with his foreign policy. Uh, his social policies are aimed at, uh, you know spreading Americans apart from each other and not bringing us together. Uh, he's, he's attacking religion as much as he can, trying to eliminate Christianity. He's pushing uh, uh, every, uh, in some ways, deviant ideas on America. You know what I mean? And <laughs> it's, it, it seems to be of a, of, a, uh, of, a, of a piece with his same ideas in foreign policy, the idea of tearing America down. Yes. Uh, now, have you also written any pieces um, in regards to the the social, um, any social policies that he has? 
Well, I've um, definitely been keeping up on, on his attacks on religion and Christianity, as I just mentioned a second ago there. Um, you know, his, his, uh, his insistence that, uh, that Christians can have uh, no, no conscience that, that can be followed without his uh, intercession in, in approving them or, dispro- you know, or disapproving them seems to be, you know, one of the things that he's doing the worst uh, on social issues especially considering the fact that when he first came on the scene, he uh, felt completely the opposite of all these ideas. When he was first running, when he was first uh, senator in Illinois, he he would have seemed to have been a conservative if you look at some of these religious views he claimed to have had then. But then when he becomes president, suddenly, uh, you know, a year or two into his first term, he's flip-flopping 180 degrees on those, uh, and, and suddenly uh, he's he's for every left-wing idea you can imagine. So, you know, I, that's uh, what I've been writing about uh, for the past couple of years. Right. Uh, one of the things the, the left will do, and Ruben and I discussed this, is that, you know, on certain social issues, particularly the bad stuff on the net, is they, they will cry free speech all the time. They will pull that out of the hat. You know, right, and, right. and Obama is, is one of them on that. And then, of course, any time you criticize anything he does, as far as he's concerned, you're racist. You know, he throws the race card at you, and so does so do all of his surrogates. So you can't even get a a, a discussion on the issues without uh, uh, straw man arguments being thrown in your face uh, to to avoid it. But the same thing happened with the uh, uh, with the birth control issue. Uh, instead of talking about if it was a religious idea or or if it was in keeping with the Constitution. And what ended up happening was you were called a, a woman hater. You know, <laughs> you, could, you couldn't get anywhere near the argument without straw man arguments being thrown in your face. Right. Go ahead, Ruben. I want to, I, I want to, I, I, I definitely want to focus, I want to focus on, on, the, on this whole situation with, with Iran because I think this is, this is a critical moment in our history. Um, and if this, allows this this treaty, correct me if I'm wrong, he is not really allowed as a president to actually sign a treaty with anyone. He's he's allowed to to have an executive uh order that would allow an agreement but not a treaty. Can you can you clarify that? That is true. He can negotiate, but uh, treaties have to be approved uh, by Congress. So he cannot, uh, out of hand, say this is what we're doing and that's the end of it. Do you, do you think? Do you do you feel that that he will be he will be uh, rejected by our, our current Congress? Mm, I would think it would that that it would be. Of course, in, in this climate, you can't really tell, can't really be sure until it happens. But uh, I would think that uh, any kind of capitulation uh, uh, to Iran, as what we've seen so far, would be rejected by the Senate, even even with the Democrats that we have there today. Well, that's the reason they went after Menendez because Menendez was opposed, and 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 they're trying to eliminate all 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 the barriers, all the barriers that are there. Uh, anyone opposed to uh, the nuclear arms deal with uh, Iran will be will be, you know, pushed aside. Right. Go ahead, Doreen. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I was just, uh, you know, listening to you guys a, a little bit. Um, I, I mean, this is such a, an interesting, you know, conversation here. Um, I also want to bring up um, his policies on uh, education, okay? And Rubin calls uh, calls Obama, uh, I'm sorry, Common Core. Rubin, what's the word you use for that? I call it Obamacore. We have Obamacare, and now we have Obamacore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, and you know, and, and I kind of bust him on that. But um, have you written anything in regards to that? 
Most of the things I've written on Common Core have been have been state related, um, uh, and and I, it seems to me that uh, Obama has sort of not made uh, education a big national issue that he's personally pushed too often with anything specific. But he has set up uh, his Department of Education uh, to push the Common Core issue. Uh, so, um, you know, I, it's hard to say what his personal opinion is necessarily, but he definitely has has allowed his Department of Education push the Common Core plan, um, and and it, it's just getting nothing but bad reviews from from just about every educator you can imagine. Uh, teachers hate it, kids hate it, uh, administrators uh, love it because it's something that that's all they have to worry about is the testing. You know, it's easy for an administrator to look at Common Core and love it because they don't have to worry about individual educational plans with kids. They don't have to worry about helping an individual child learn. They can just look at these massive test scores and this massive amount of testing and say, well, this is all I'm caring about. It's very simple, you know, for uh, an administrator to look at this kind of program and accept it. It's it, where it fails is with the kids and the teachers. Even the teachers don't like it because it it doesn't really help kids learn anything. Well, I I, I think Common then, Core, the intention of Common Core is not really. Uh, I would say eighty percent of it is not really to focus on on educating our kids. I think it's basically to centralize education uh, and take take that that power from the local boards, the local school boards. And the state control. Well, they want to have that control at, at, at centralized, just like everything else. They, uh, the the Democrats want. They want that control. Right. And what they point to in in this idea is they point to other countries where they say, well, look, England or or France or Sweden, they have centralized education, but but they are they are also generally smaller countries. Uh, and and have been much more entrenched as a, uh, a from the top system as it is. Ours has never been a from the top system. It's always been a state controlled system. So it's something that uh, the liberals are trying to use to help tear down our state control system and create mm-hmm. a centrally right. controlled government in the United States. Correct. That's how I look at it too. Doreen. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It it actually wants to take the control particularly away from the parents. And, uh, oh, definitely that. Take, yeah, <laughs> definitely that. Parents so liberals can't yeah. stand the fact that, that parents have any control over kids whatsoever. They they want the state to control that. And by the state, they mean the federal government, not even the state governments. They want, they want, <laughs> they want kids taken away from parents. Right. Um, well, go ahead, Ruben. If, if, if it's okay with you, Doreen, um, I'd like to move into another hot topic, Warner, that I know you're, you're, you're um, very familiar is the situation with immigration. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say the Kardashians. We won't talk about that now. Maybe later. <laughs> uh, so with the immigration situation, uh, we have a president that basically has been rejected by a uh, of course, a Texas judge, which I live in Texas now. I don't live in the East Coast anymore, so I'm very happy. We have a great governor here in, 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 in Texas, Greg Abbott, who's actually uh, very, uh, very strong on, on, on enforcing the border. Um, but, you know, the, the president uh, has come to a conclusion that he, he, he's above the law. He, 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 you know, he's been, uh, he's been uh, his administration has been pushing uh, DHS to basically create, a, I don't know if every, anyone here is aware of this, but they're creating a new uh, refugee plan in Central America to bring in new kids this summer, you know, basically who are not, who, are, who would be illegal. So behind our banks and behind and not respecting what the judge in Texas, has said in the, in, the, in, the, in the lawsuit that 26 states have brought against the, the Obama administration, he's going around, around their back and saying, well, you know what, I'm going to bring them anyway. And we should right. be expecting in the summer an influx of new illegal immigrants. 
how do we go? How do we come back? Come back this as as Americans, uh, Warner. Well, that's a darn good question. Uh, yeah. You can't combat it if if your if your central government won't uh, help you do it. Uh, immigration is one of the few things that the federal government should have full control over and does constitutionally. You know, mm-hmm. we, it's it's difficult to say that the states should start just having their own you know, their own immigration policy, even though uh, that seems like a, a move of last resort to have states like Texas and New Mexico and, and others, Arizona down there, uh, to, to just start doing, you know, preventing uh, uh, crossings of the border and stuff on their own, using their own militaries, you know, their own state uh, um, national guards. That would actually be incorrect constitutionally. But on the other hand, if you have a federal government that's abdicated its responsibilities, well, what are you expected to do? Right. Yeah. Yep. You're right. Um, it's just amazing, you know, how much has happened. And I'm going to tell you, Warner, um, you know, I'll tell you, before Obama was um, elected, I was pretty much a stay-at-home mom. Okay, and and I, you know, yeah, I went out to vote, but that's about it. I didn't really get much involved in politics. Um, but since Obama got elected, uh, it, it's like it, it, the world changed, and my eyes opened up. You know, and I do have a master's degree in education, and and I do know how prevalent the communism is is there. But since I've had this. Um, non-profit, um, you know, and and uh, I'm doing this on a daily basis. It's like my eyes have incredibly exploded. I don't know if you you found the same thing. Well, I mean, I was writing about all this stuff before Obama came along, so uh, I can't blame it on Obama. But <laughs> his agenda, his left-wing agenda, is no different than the than the agenda that the left has been pushing. Since uh, you know Thomas Dewey and his educational system at the at the big start of the 1900s, so you know Obama's really not doing anything new except succeeding greatly, <laughs> pushing these bad ideas on the American people, and we have had uh, over a hundred years of education system that has failed uh, American uh, America, uh, failed to teach our children what what America is and should be and what our ideals are and how our system works. So, you know, we're finally seeing at this point uh, the failure of education to uh, safeguard America's future. And also, how about the the media, particularly the mainstream media? Well, certainly uh, they're, they're uh, part of it. They're they're part of that left-wing cabal. They, the, the media in general wasn't always that way, but starting uh, around just before the uh, the Vietnam War, most of the media had sort of gone completely left-wing. A lot of the, the more right-wing newspapers and whatnot had started fading and disappearing, and uh, a lot of people got into the media journalism to, quote-unquote, save the world. That was their their calling card. Um, and, and the media went incre- incredibly left-wing. The, the, a lot of, the thing that, that always amuses me is when you hear people today say, oh, the, the media... Is is uh, is too partisan. We have too much fighting in the media. Uh, apparently, they don't know anything about American history because the media was always a battleground since day one in this country. We had newspapers fighting each other viciously uh, as much in in print during the Revolutionary War as on the battlefield. You know, um, so and and it's never changed until that brief, say, twenty five or so year period uh, around Vietnam when the media itself was pretty much uh, had a consensus of left-wing opinion. And now that the Internet is here and there's more capability for people right of center to get their ideas out, suddenly everyone's lamenting on how, you know, on how nasty the media climate is. Yeah. And I, go, I, 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 I say to some of these people, have you never heard how vicious the media was acting toward each other in the election of 1800? You know, <laughs> Today is nothing compared to what they were saying about each other back in those days, and and then there was absolutely no no hope that you know, a reader could get the truth necessarily. Uh, they had to either completely take on faith what was written, or not, because there was no way to double check things in those days. 
people said whatever the heck they wanted to in print. Now today someone can say something and it can seem a little crazy and you can start Googling things and looking at what other people wrote and reading a few books and then you can determine yourself the truth of the matter. Right, right. Yeah. But but I, I think I think another aspect of, of the media today, Warner and Doreen, I, from my perspective, how I look at it, is that today they have no shame. They have no shame at all. They're basically saying, you know what? We basically, we are for the Democratic Party, and if you don't like it, tough. You can leave. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the reason so many people have left NBC, CNN, and their ratings are horrible. But they have no shame, and they don't really care, because you know why? They don't really care about the American people. Well, no, they have an yeah. agenda to sell. That's yeah. They, they, uh, yeah. It ends justifies the means as far as they're concerned. Um, and, Warner, do you predict that um, CNN and MSN, um, just to name a few, will be out of business eventually? Well, they get subsidized an awful lot. So they oh, they, they get subsidized an awful lot from the left. Uh, CNN and MSNBC get influxes of cash from the left. So it's it, it, it would be awful difficult to see them completely go belly up. Um, maybe MSNBC might because the ratings are so dismal, even with the huge influxes of cash from the left. CNN, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I don't think they would they would fail miserably, uh, even though their ratings are, are still way below Fox News, for instance. Right. Right. But Fox is really the only center-right uh, media, mainstream media, well, except for TV Glenn goes, Beck. Right. Uh, yeah, yes, as far as TV goes. And how about Hollywood now? <laughs> They're another uh, 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 group, per se, because, you know, most of Hollywood is left. It that doesn't true. seem like yeah. you get a yeah. job in Hollywood uh, unless you are liberal. That is true. That is true. But again, that's uh, you know that's part of their culture. That's part of their their agenda. So um, if you go into it, I suppose understanding that uh, maybe it won't be so bad when you finally <laughs> get to see that it's coming, that it's turning that way. But you know, regardless, I have to write about it. That's my job. <laughs> so right, right. I write about that that stuff when I when I see it. Now, now I, I do want to I do want to get into uh, we've covered. Obama's foreign policy, which uh, I think was one of the things that uh, I think was critical for to get your expertise on, Warner. Uh, also, we briefly touched on the immigration aspect, uh, and, and and I believe there's two other topics that I, I de- definitely want to touch on, and hopefully uh, Doreen also uh, mm-hmm. finds that interesting. And that's that's going to be the you know the presidential race. I mean, 2016 is is again another key critical point in our history. And so it's going to be a year that it's going to basically decide quite 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 a bit of what is in store in the future of our country. Uh, we've had so far three Republicans announced that they're running for the presidency of the United States. Ted Cruz from the great state of Texas, my new home state. Uh, you know, Marco Rubio and from the state of Florida and Rand Paul from the state of Kentucky. Now, as I look at it, we're looking at three young, compared to Hillary, uh, young candidates. You know, with a lot of energy and still new to the to the whole political environment. How do you see in any of those three, or if you can break them break them down into you know each one, the candidates so far that you find to be the most convincing, and is the one that has the potential to make it. Well, we still have more to go, more candidates to jump in sure. there. We may see we may see Scott Walker jump in. That's mm-hmm. that's possible. Uh, 
yeah. you know, we, we still are waiting on Chris Christie and and some of these other guys. Uh, so right. I, we haven't seen the whole the whole field yet. Obviously, uh, even John Kasich is talking about jumping in from Ohio. So we haven't seen the whole crew, but uh, of these three, uh, they each have their own very interesting and uh, very appealing aspects. Uh, Marco is a great speaker, for instance. Uh, he has a very compelling personal story. He made a huge misstep on uh, on immigration, so he's got a lot of <clears throat> a lot of conservatives that are uh, very upset with him and claim they won't support him for that. And he does have sort of a a little bit of an establishmentarian background, you know. Uh, uh, GOP establishment background, um, so he, he has some detractions, but some very appealing aspect. Uh, Rand Paul is somebody that's really different on the scene. Um, he, he's very good with crowds. Uh, you wouldn't think it hearing his kind of um, kind of boring speaking capability, but he really excites a lot of people and, and could really bring some people from across the aisle to his side. And of course, Ted Cruz is just brilliant. The guy, the guy's absolutely brilliant, and what a speaker! Uh, you, you can't have a better speaker than Ted Cruz. So, all three of them have a lot, a lot of interesting aspects to them, and I, I think I, just as a regular voter, I think I could vote for any of the three. Well, uh, Doreen, you want to? Yeah, uh, I also, um, you know, uh, am interested in maybe seeing like a Michelle Bachman. Um, you, you know, uh, or how about Sarah Palin? Well, Is we have Carly running? Fiorina. Yeah, okay, Carly Fiorina. Yep, she okay. will jump in too. I don't think you'll see uh, Sarah jumping in anytime soon. Uh, I don't know if she could take the pay cut <laughs> with her with her successful <laughs> media career she's got going on. I don't know if she'd want to take the pay cut to get back into politics. <laughs> but I would think that a smart move for her would would be to become senator for Alaska first before uh, before jumping any in, into any you know any other further career. But I don't know. I, I'm not sure what what she plans to do. She she doesn't seem that interested in getting back into politics though. Well, right. I, 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 uh, Doreen Warner, one of the things I I, I like about these three candidates and and people, I, I haven't heard too many of the pundits and the writers, no disrespect, uh, mention this about these three candidates. They're the type of individuals that will stand up to the liberal media. Rand Paul did it to Savannah Guthrie, Channel 4. Ted Cruz has done it to Dana Bash and CNN. Marco Rubio has done it in the past, too. When the liberal media has come, he has. I'm now totally me and, Obama, and Barack Obama are totally two totally different individuals. We're different. I have a track record. He didn't have a track record, so I like that because in 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 the typical mindset of my candidates for my party, they've been weak when they've been attacked by the by the by, by the media. Right. Anyone? Yeah. I, I like that about th- these three guys. Well, I have to yeah. agree with you there. They none, none none of these three have been shrinking violets. <laughs> That's for sure. Even even among even toward criticism up from their own side. Uh, right. They've they've all three uh, come straight out uh, to address criticism from conservatives and from Republicans and from. Uh, you know their own voters, so you know not, not, none of the three have uh, been the sort of shrinking violets that uh, we may have seen in the past. The sort that uh, sort of demure from the fight. Right. Uh, on another another aspect, um, we we just learned uh, about a week ago that Ted Cruz in in two days uh, had received thirty one million dollars. I mean the, his pack. The pact that was created, right? Uh, I'm quite sure Rand Paul, you know, his pact is going to uh, achieve a lot of financial fortunes. Marco Rubio also. Uh, you, in your opinion, do you do you see this election in 2016 to be the highest amount of money spent 
in this election? Because I think it is. I think it's going to it's going to surpass every other election. Well, you might be right because right. Let's, let's look at right. the let's look at the candidates, the GOP candidates anyway, from uh, from the last time out. Um, Newt Gingrich was always struggling for money. He never got that big a uh, you know that big a war chest built up. Neither did Rick Santorum. Or you know some of the other candidates. Really, the only one that vacuumed up all the money was was Mitt. Uh, but in this case, we're starting out with three candidates with very strong, uh, so far anyway, very strong uh, fundraising numbers. Um, right. We do have a caller on the line who would like to ask a question. Um, caller two five six three seven seven. You're live on the air. Thank you. I appreciate that, uh, Mr. Rain. Uh, I would like to ask these gentlemen about uh, Ted Cruz and uh, while we haven't heard that much about his wife, uh, who still holds uh, two executive positions with the New World Order, uh, with Goldman Sachs and with the uh, Council on Foreign Relations, and it's uh, been posted numerous places, numerous times, that um, Henry Kissinger... Uh, is one of uh, Ted Cruz's main advisors. Uh, I just, I just can't. I, for me personally, I just, you know, I, I'm having a real hard time with that. Go ahead. Was that was, uh, uh, that a, was that a question or just a comment? It was a question. I just, why, 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 why don't we have more questions, more vetting okay. on uh, on Ted Cruz? Uh, I, 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 I definitely agree with you. I mean, I, I, I believe that we should have more vetting. But, uh, Warner, if you want to take that. Well, I, I also agree that we need more vetting. There's a matter, like I said, all, all three of them have their problems. Uh, Rand Paul has some very shaky foreign policy issues. Uh, uh, Rand, uh, uh, Marco is, is shaky on immigration still, even though he's tried to walk back his early uh, amnesty, you know, his earlier pro-amnesty ideas. And as you said, Ted Cruz, he has his problems too. And and, and you're 100% right. We need to hear all about these things from uh, about all three of these candidates and more, the other candidates as well that are coming out soon uh, before we get anywhere near election day. Uh, I just, uh, the, the, the information on Ted Cruz's wife is so much and so much out there. Uh, and it's like a you know, a 900-pound elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. And uh, it's uh, when you when you hit, when you have a person, a candidate's wife that is so close to these kind of organizations, uh, you know, it should cause people to be concerned and to, to think about it, and you know, and, and have some have some betting done on it as well as well as all the other issues too. But I just that's just one issue that I, I you know I don't. I uh, hear a lot about. It. I just, uh, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of uh, Paul Rand. I mean, Rand Paul, excuse me, simply because he, uh, he is so unexciting and has so little support, in my opinion, anyway. And mm-hmm. and uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even sure why Rand Paul is even in the race, except to, <laughs> you know, make some money or something maybe. But uh, he is. Um, so many of my friends call him, you know, Bland Rand. <laughs> you know, <laughs> why is Bland ran in the race? You know, you're 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 absolutely right, and I, and I think all of us agree. And, and you're you're totally you you hit it on the nail. I mean, uh, we we definitely need to vet uh, our candidates, and we need to vet all the politicians. And I think, but um, I think for now, for now, it's still early in in in, in you know, in, in, I mean, the primaries are still not here. But we should, we should, we should definitely uh, be betting them more. Right now, for now, it's still early in the Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, we do have another caller on the line. Um, Four oh five. Would you like to ask a question? <clears throat> yes, I've got a question for you. And in light of the elections coming up, I have everybody's focused on the president. And I respect that because, I mean, we do have the election coming up in 2016. My question for Warner is, how do you feel? Well, let me give you back up and make sure I make myself clear. Um, 
we have term limits on our senators and our congressmen for the state office. Why do we not, and how do you feel about putting term limits on these career politicians that are in the Senate and the Congress? Because, I mean, they're making millions of dollars, and nothing is changing in, in Washington. Not, absolutely nothing. It's just the same rat race all over again. Right. Well, I certainly understand. I certainly understand the uh, the desire to 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 say you can only become a senator such and such amount of times. I know uh, people like uh, uh, national talk radio show guys. You know, like uh, uh, Mark uh, Levin has uh, come over to the term limits idea. I, I'm still of a mind that it should be up to the to the voters. But our problem is not that we have. Not that we have career politicians. Our, our founders were almost all career politicians. Our problem mm-hmm. is we have an electorate that is 100% ignorant about what's going on uh, in mm-hmm. Washington and how our system works and whatnot. Uh, we have an electorate that, uh, well, you know what Ben Franklin supposedly said when he left the convention, you have a republic if you can keep it. And we can't keep it anymore. We've lost it. So uh, even though I personally feel that the idea of term limits is not the best idea in the world, and it certainly wasn't something that the founders uh, considered a good idea. Uh, maybe we're finally to a point where we're going to have to uh, accept term limits and change that. I mean, times, seasons have changed, times have changed. We're not in the same world that we that we were before. I mean, and it, right. it seems like, you know, you got to get fresh blood in there sometime because of the fresh ideas. And my fear is, is that it's not that people aren't necessarily voting the party, which a lot of people do. I mean, they'll do straight across voting with that. My concern is is that people are afraid of we're, – we're so afraid of change that when it comes time for elections, oh, I don't know this guy. Let's, let's keep somebody in that's been in there. And they don't realize that the general public just does not realize what goes on in the, in politics, and they're afraid to – basically afraid of the change. How do you feel about that? Well, I think the biggest problem this country has had that changed our system irrevocably was the 17th Amendment that gave us, uh, as as voters, the right to vote in our senators instead of having the state legislatures put, uh, you know, appoint senators, which is what had happened before that. Uh, the idea for a senator was that they represented the states, not the people. The you know the representatives the congressmen that we voted in represented the people and the senators were supposed to represent the state legislatures. Well, okay. what we have now is now that we vote in the senators uh, that the that the people vote for the senators in the states now no longer have a say in Congress. It's now party politics all the way through, and the mm-hmm. Senate was supposed to be the the last backstop to yes. to, to prevent that, and we're I no longer there. So it's it's ruined our system really. Okay. Yes. Uh, okay. And uh, well, no, hold on. We're, we're uh, um, out of time. And um, Warner, I just have one thing I do want to ask you. Um, since you write for Breitbart.com, have you ever met him, Andrew? Oh, sure. Because I know sure. he passed away. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I I knew Andrew for several years before I was hired uh, at Breitbart. As a matter of fact, that was kind of one of the reasons I did get hired is because I did know him and and. Uh, Matter of fact, one of the one of the best uh, memories I have of him was when he and I were in Cabo, Mexico, uh, and 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 had a, uh, a a late night dinner. Him and I uh, just talked about his his family and 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 you know just being regular guys. We weren't talking politics or anything. It was just a lot of fun. He was a fantastic man, uh, a force of nature. Uh, okay. I just can't. Uh, you, you, you just couldn't do better than um, Andrew Breitbart. Uh, okay, and can you tell us your website? Yeah, uh, it's publiusforum.com, www.publiusforum.com, and that's where I post daily uh, or when I can. And, of course, I work for a lot of other sites. It's actually easier to put my full name in Google, Warner Todd Houston, yeah. H-U-S-T-O-N, not H-O-H-U-S-T-O-N, and you'll find lots and lots of stuff that I've written. Well, Warner, uh, okay. thank you again. Yeah. I mean, I, we really appreciate, Doreen and I, we really appreciate, and, and yes. uh, you, you you never fail to amaze me. Uh, you, yes. Uh, definitely, we'll love to have you again. Uh, as a matter of fact, look, look at how, how popular you are. 
people are basically right, uh, right. really uh, enjoy enjoy. I'm getting um, uh, texts from from some of the listeners how how, yes. how enjoyable it was tonight. Um, okay, folks, we are out of time, and I want to thank everybody for listening to us tonight, um, and especially thank you, Warner, for joining us. And please go to studentsforabetterfuture.com. That's studentsforabetterfuture.com for more information on these shows. And stay tuned to next Tuesday night when we bring Matt Singleton. He's also a columnist um, for the Huffington Post. That's next Tuesday. And stay tuned till then. And um, for Ruben and I, have a good night. All right, Warner and Doreen. Bye. Yep.